Hey guys, if you're interested in checking out a video version of the show, please visit the Low Key Geek channel on YouTube. There you can not only catch the video version of the podcast, but you can also check out my other projects and short form video that I produce. You can find a link in the description. Otherwise, sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. What's up, everybody? I am back, and guess what? We are going to be talking about Eternals. That's right, the latest Marvel movie that came out last week. I saw it again for the second time earlier this week, and I've been dying to talk about this movie. Don't worry if you've seen it or you haven't seen it. There's a little bit for everybody in this video, and if you stay till the end, we're going to be talking about those post credit scenes. So it's a Talking Talk Pod Showcast coming at you now. What's going on, everybody? Thank you for tuning in. For those of you who are returning to the channel, welcome back. If you are new to this channel and you're seeing me for the first time, hello there. Uh, I am Renee, your host here. It's a Talking Talk Pod Showcast, your unofficial weekly pop culture podcast where we talk about the latest in news. The latest in news, yes, the latest news in movies. Streaming, collectibles, what have you. And I've put my little spin on things. So, again, thank you for tuning in. And if you like what you see and you enjoy our my little discussions that I have and what have you, check out the other videos I have on this channel. Or simply hit that like and subscribe if you haven't done so already. New videos go up every week. They are movie reviews, recaps, little things I find along the way. Um, you will see on the channel recently, I had a chance to visit the Stranger Things store here at NYC that opened up. So I did a little walkthrough video for you for you guys to enjoy there. So if you feel like you want to check it out, do so on the channel. For you audio listeners, again, I appreciate all of you people listening on your podcast platform of choice. You can find the Loki Geek channel on platforms like iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and wherever podcasts are listened to and heard and downloaded. So make sure you check it out there as well. So like I mentioned at the top, we are going to be talking about Eternals here now Everyone should really pay close attention to the next couple of things I'm going to do to mention before I get into stuff. Like I said, there's a little bit for everything. There's a little bit for everything and a little bit for everybody. There's a little bit of there's a little bit for everyone in this video if you've seen it or if you haven't seen it. First, I'm going to go on with my review of the movie, my thoughts and all that spoiler free. Then I'm going to go into some spoiler talk, um, some stuff that transpired through the movie, kind of like a little recap of events and my thoughts on that. I'll react to that as well. And the third part of this video will be talking about all the post credit scene goodness. So if you've made it this far without being spoiled and you haven't seen the movie yet, then I will you know, time it and I'll let you know once we get into the spoiler territory and all that. The video will be chaptered out in three sections, the review, spoiler talk, and post-credit talk. So 
make sure to check out the chapter so that you could avoid anything that you uh, don't want to hear or uh, uh, spoiled for yourself. If you've already seen the movie and maybe you want to just skip to me hearing my thoughts about the post credit stuff, you can do so as well. For you audio listeners, pay close attention to the description of the podcast. I will leave timestamps for everyone so that you know what to avoid or what you want to listen to straight out. So that being said, The Eternals takes over the Talking Talk pod show cast. So let's talk about Eternals. So I I did watch the movie on Thursday night of last week. And my initial thoughts of the movie was that I really, really enjoyed it. However, I will say this. There was a lot that was put in front of you. It is a very complex movie, in my opinion. It, the, the term that I've been seeing a lot, especially on Twitter and stuff like that, is it dense, right? It is pretty dense. But there was enough in the movie that explained everything as long as you paid attention to all, all of it. Now, you know, opening night hype and everything like that, sometimes you get lost in things, right? You pay too much attention to one thing and maybe you missed out on something else. So I, before, I wanted, before I wanted to talk about it, I wanted to make sure that I checked it out again. So I did. I watched it again on Monday earlier this week. And my thoughts still remain the same. I really, really enjoyed this movie. Um... It is not a movie for everybody, and I could see why there is um, div- divisiveness. It's very divisive with people, with the audience. It's one of Marvel's, it's the lowest rated Marvel movie in the MCU on Rotten Tomatoes right now. Um, I believe it's also the lowest rated on Metacritic, if, if I remember correctly. But regardless, this is a movie. I think the first time Marvel has had come across a movie where the ratings were not that high. But that was the case even before the movie even came out. The internet uh, trolls were out there in full force even before watching the movie because their unhappiness about a representation of a certain character. And I'll get into that in a little later. Um... Which, by the way, did not bother me one bit. I actually really loved the way each of the characters were treated. And I do love the diversity of the cast. But the reason why I believe this Marvel movie is very different and it creates this divide amongst uh, movie-going audiences is because it is not your typical superhero type of movie that we've seen from Marvel. You know, it's it does have a lot of familiar beats that you would find in a Marvel movie. That is a good mix of dramatic scenes, action scenes, and humor. However, this movie, and I, I give all the credit to Chloe Zhao, who did a phenomenal job with this movie. And if you've watched her mo- movies like Nomadland you'll understand why this movie is also very different because she really focuses on the human characteristics of each of her characters and 
she definitely puts a lot of focus on emotions and humanity and how it all uh, intertwines and plays with each other. And that's what this movie is. There's a lot of that in here. This is by far, in my opinion, the most mature Marvel movie movie that we've gotten in the 10 plus years that Marvel started doing their own movies under, you know, the Disney moniker. It is definitely one of the truer science fiction fantasy movies that I've ever seen from Marvel coming out. Um, it's pretty ironic that it came out after Dune because Dune, I felt, was very similar, very epic, very sci-fi fantasy driven, you know, does deal with a lot of emotion and character building. This movie did a lot of that. And some may disagree because with such a huge cast of characters, 10 plus characters throughout this movie, some may not have been fully as developed as we wanted it to be. But I felt that I was fully invested 100% in everyone that hit the screen. Of course, because of that, it made me want more. It made me want to know more about each character's background, what they were doing this whole time before the events of this movie. But I think that is the brilliance of the way the movie was written and directed. It, We've seen this whole thing start with Shang-Chi, where Shang-Chi, when you watch Shang-Chi, it could easily be a standalone movie on its own. It doesn't have to be tied into the Marvel Universe. You know, it's very, very unique in its own way like that. Now, it could also be easily tied in once once you do the, the cameos and you know the post credit scenes and all that stuff like that this is the same type of movie you as you're watching this movie I didn't feel like this was part of anything within the MCU now of course there were some mentions of like the events with Thanos you know, there is a question that comes out like, where, where were you guys when the whole snap happened or this and that? Um, we see in the trailer, they have this little conversation about the Avengers. And now that Steve Rogers and Tony Stark is gone, who do you think can leave? Blah, blah, blah. So it's like a little banter between the, the Eter Eternals team right there. But outside of that, there was no other mention of anything Marvel related, like character wise story-wise, you know, events-wise within the universe, it's very self-contained. And I really dug that, you know. And I think, like I said, Shang-Chi kind of started that. Um, and this one really takes it to the whole new level. Um, the cinematography, the landscapes, the character building, you know, the dialogue, Everything was very, very well done, in my opinion. Like I said, I felt in, invested in everyone that hit the screen. Even like a tiny bit character that pops up, I, I am so curious. Like, who is that? You know, how is that person going to play out in the rest of the world, in the universe, and future movies moving forward and all that? Um, the movie clocked in probably like around, what, 240, right? But for me personally, I never felt 
it was that long. For me, the pacing was done really well. I didn't feel bored at all one bit. Again, I saw it for a second time, knowing what to expect. And I felt the time flew by just like that. It didn't really, you know, feel like a long movie for me. You know, and a lot of people are, are always said like, oh, you know, Infinity War, Endgame, all that stuff. Like, that's a perfect three-hour movie or what have you. You know, but there are bits of that movie sometimes where I thought, like, you know, you could have done a little bit without this. Or they kept prolonging certain things. Here, it wasn't even clocking at the three-hour mark, but I felt like they could have easily done that. Right? Um... I felt every usage of the characters on screen, everything that was explained throughout the movie, every event that unfolded, the action scenes, it was just evenly paced out to the point where, like I said, I never felt that there was any, never a dull moment at all. Um, another thing is that everything that we have been... Um, getting prepped for as far as the MCU goes the events that happen in WandaVision the events that happen in Falcon and the Winter Soldier the events that unfolded in Loki none of that played any any role in this storyline none whatsoever so there was no mention of the multiverse there was no you know events that kind of you know popped up that was like unexplainable and all that it was like i said a self-contained story within this movie focusing just on the eternals and the task they have at hand while explaining why they're here what their purpose is and how things transpired and it ends up right so in my opinion especially with how the movie ended and what we what was revealed in the post credit scenes, which I will get into later on. Again, this is the non-spoiler portion of the video and the podcast. This is more of a prep for Phase 5 and moving forward. Not so much of Phase 4 that we're currently in right now. I do strongly feel like Phase 4 is going to be solely focused on a lot of the multiverse stuff. Um, obviously, I'm sure we're going to get a lot of introductions to new characters. Um, but, and maybe we'll get that 100% reveal of who the main villain is going to be for this phase four or for multiple phases down the line. I felt like we already got a hint of that in Loki. If you watch the Loki series on Disney plus, um, and the possibility of reforming a new Avengers team because I do feel like we're getting that a little bit right where we're getting hints of like these new characters you know obviously we have a new Captain America now so we're gonna get a new team that we are not used to you know for the last decades decade of movies right so I did think that was uh, very interesting the score was fantastic um, it was uh, composed by Roman uh, Jawadi, who, if you are a, f a fan of Game of Thrones and Westworld on HBO, he did the music and soundtrack for those TV series. 
it's funny how this movie really has like a deep Game of Thrones connection. You know, you have um, Richard Madden and Kit Harrington in the same movie. And if you are familiar with Game of Thrones, you know that they are the Stark brothers, you know, Jon Snow and um, the other Stark brother there. Um, so it, it is very interesting. And now you have Roman who's doing the soundtrack. So it is very interesting how there's like a very heavily Game of Thrones influence because there were moments in this movie too where I did feel like it was kind of Game of Thrones-ish. Like again, it's more about the epicness, the fantasy portion of the movie. Um, that really, really made all that tied together. And that's another reason why I mentioned Dune and all that, right? Um, this was one of the first movies where I knew nothing really about the characters in it. You know, I, I am, I'm honest when I say that every Marvel movie that's come out, every character reveal, every kind of plot line, uh, even down to the TV series, I've known about because I was a big comic book reader, you know, and I have friends who read comic books and we talk about this stuff all the time. So I knew a lot of this stuff and I'm very familiar with a lot of the characters um, and and storylines and plot points and all that. This is the very first time I came into a Marvel movie completely clueless because I didn't I don't know anything about the Eternals. You know, I don't know anything about each of these characters that was revealed within this team. So, and I didn't do any research ahead of time. You know, I, I wanted to go in fully fresh, uh, without any knowledge, so that I could see how is this movie going to affect me? How am I going to take to it, right? The fact that I got drawn in immediately, and by the end of the movie... I just wanted to do the research. I wanted to talk about it. I wanted to see it again. I want to see more of these characters. That's why it's really interesting this past week that uh, Chloe Zhao was mentioned uh, saying that they might be looking into doing a prequel series on Disney+, Plus, an episodic prequel series that goes into each of the characters' backstories and all that, which I think will be brilliant. And I think that would be only... That would only make this movie much better for everybody else right and i'm in my opinion i think it's already great as is um but yeah it's the first time that i didn't know anything about these characters and my initial thoughts were that oh they kind of remind me of like the justice league from dc right you know you have your superman you have your wonder woman like character you have your flash blah 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 right but then i also started thinking too like it also kind of reminded me of like uh, the new gods from DC as well, you know. And I'm going into like really geeky talk right here, uh, if you're familiar with the comic books and all that, because you know you're dealing with a team that not one of them is pure human, right? They they all have fantastical powers and godlike powers, right? Um, so you know, that's why it was kind of like a mix between. Justice League and the New Gods. But yeah, the comparisons between Justice Leagues are very valid because yeah, it looks like you have very similar tones with these characters. Um, but they are different enough because like I said, they did a really good job with breaking down the emotional aspects of each character, what drives them, what they are compassionate about, right? And everyone has a flaw. You know, not one of these people within the team is perfect. So 
that's something that I've always appreciated about the Marvel characters, that there's always some sort of struggle with their their place in life, with the abilities that they find themselves with, where they fit in the world, you know, what they should do. And when you have a director like Chloe Zhao who very who does a very good job at honing in on human characteristics, human emotion, uh, how it affects, how their actions affect humanity as a whole. Um, and I, like I said, Nomadland is a, is a perfect example of her displaying how she can portray those things. That's what made this movie so different. And it, it stuck with me and it got me. You know, I bought into it. And I re- that's why I really, really enjoy this movie. But at the same time, I really do understand why this movie will be divisive amongst a lot of people because, you know, maybe they can't connect to that aspect of it. You know, maybe they want more of the fantastical stuff like we've gotten with the past Marvel movies. You know, you ask people nowadays who what their favorite MCU movie is, right? You'll hear a lot of people mentioning Thor Ragnarok. You know, which was very comedic, right? Guardians of the Galaxy, again, very comedic. But you have a dysfunctional family there, which you kind of get here too. Um, but it does heavily rely on a lot of humor and uh, mischief, right? Um, Winter Soldier or Civil War, which is more like, you know, the political drama and everything like that. So I feel like those are the the more favorite movies here. And when you get to this, it's very not that, right? Like I said, and because this is a very different Marvel movie um, that centers around humanity, empathy, right? The subject of love plays very heavily all throughout the movie. Love of the people of Earth. Love of... Uh, certain individuals within the Eternals, love of the group, love of the team, right? Uh, and that how it affects certain individuals with the actions that they take throughout the throughout the um, their lifeline, throughout the movie, you know, and all that. So I loved it. I thought it was brilliantly done. Um, again, after the second watch, the more I appreciated it because. I can just sit down and just enjoy the movie for what it is without trying to like nitpick or pay close attention to these little things here and there and try to say, oh, I know what they're referencing here and all that. I didn't really have to do all that the second time around and I enjoyed the movie for what it was. And again, it made me appreciate how well the movie was done. Um, you know, and I, I just, it is very interesting to see how very uh how there are so many different reactions to this movie out there and there's a part of me that wants to say i really don't understand it but i do understand it you know because this is a very different movie some people may think this is a very dull movie you know because there is a lot of story beats there is a lot of focus on internal strife or struggle personalities emotions you know not only within the team but also with what they're tasked to do you know as a group very emotionally driven so 
I can understand why there's a lot of people who are very not used to it or were not expecting that. Also, I love the fact that, as I mentioned before, this is one of the most diverse casts that we got in a Marvel movie as far as a team-up is concerned. In in a way, it's, it's very X-Men-like, you know? You have all walks of life represented in this team, whether it's nationalities, um, you know, ways of living or certain disabilities. We have a, a deaf character as part of the group, right? Um, all different points of views, right? Well, I mean, that's not so so strange, but just the, the diverse nationalities. But it's diverse to us who's watching them on screen. And I'll get more into that during the spoiler talk. Because for them, they don't see that. For them, they are just Eternals. Brought to Earth to do a certain task. Right? And I love the fact that they never really harp and put so much focus on the fact that they are all diverse within the team. Now, as far as the acting is concerned, everyone was amazing in their role. Angelina Jolie was phenomenal. And I can't really say that with a lot of the recent stuff that she's done. She hasn't really done a lot of acting um, in recent years. But she fit home. She was like right at home in this movie, in this in this cast. You know, she had her some comedic stuff, but very action-heavy, action-oriented. Um, Salma Hayek was really great. You know, she kind of plays like the mother of the group. Um, and she, her role was very well well done. You know, Kit Harrington was great. Um, Gemma Chan was amazing. You know, and the last time we saw her in a Marvel universe, she was in makeup in um, the Captain Marvel movie. You know, so I felt like we didn't really get to see much of her shine. And she was, you know, a side character, but getting her, getting a chance to really see her fully act out in front of the screen in this type of movie. I really, really appreciated that. And she did an amazing job. Richard Madden was great. Kumal Nanjani was hilarious. He was definitely the comedy relief of the movie. Him and his um, friend slash valet uh, Harish Patel, who plays Karun. And you kind of see some of this in the in the trailers and all that, but them too. To get a standalone series with just those two would be amazing. Those guys are so hilarious. You know, Leah McHugh was great. Uh, Lauren Ridolph, Ridloff, who plays Macari, Brian Tyree Henry. My God, as Fastos, he is amazing. Um, you know, he plays like that tech dude, and. He is the one who ends up being the first main gay character in the Marvel Universe that we get to see on the screen. Which I thought was amazing and brilliant because, again, what I mentioned, diverse, but they don't make a big deal of it because they don't see themselves this way. And I'll get more into that in, in the spoiler section. And Barry uh, Kugan, Kilgan, I, I, I don't know if I'm pronouncing his name right, as Druig, 
in the trailers, I didn't think Druig was going to be a character that I would like appreciate at all. But man, after watching him in this movie, again, they got me to really like a lot of these characters, especially with such a huge cast of characters here. I loved every individual differently, but I loved them all the same. You know, Don Lee, who plays Gilgamesh, you know, everyone was fantastic in this movie. Everybody. You know, the score, the directing, like I said, the cinematography, the action scenes were top notch. Um, the, the third act alone was very well done. Um, and I think, I feel like you get a lot of sense of the epicness of the movie in the third act, as, as well as the first act, too, as they, as you kind of see um, the Eternals coming to Earth and all that stuff. And again, you see some of that in the trailer, but. But yeah, I mean, this was a movie that really, really hit me. Um, I'm trying to look through my notes because, okay, peek behind the curtain here. It took me days to write out my notes for this movie because, like, there's a lot to unpack. And my notes ended up being being three pages long because that's how much was, you know, thrown at you in this movie. And that's why I can understand why maybe it threw some of the audience off because, you know, there was so much going on. It was so heavy as far as content, backstories, characters. That's why dense was used a lot, you know, and I, and I get it. You know, I totally get it. Plus, these are characters no one is familiar with. The last time we got this was with Guardians of the Galaxy. And, you know, they hit it out of the park because, again, because of the comedic um, parts of the movie, the humor, the the chemistry behind each of the individuals within the Guardians of the Galaxy team was really well done. You know, James Gunn did a brilliant job with the writing and directing. So, of course, that you know, turned out to be great. Same thing happened with Suicide Squad when he put that out. But this is the first time that, in my opinion, you are thrown into this world with all of these characters that nobody knows anything about. Not even through the cartoons or anything. Because at least, you know, with Iron Man, Ant-Man, if you were a fan of Marvel, period, or superhero and comic book uh, related properties, period, you at least at one point in your life watched a cartoon and these were and these characters were were revealed in cartoons right i'm sure you know if you're like me you've read the comics so obviously you know right so at least people have heard the names may not know everything or the details or anything like that but they've heard the names right or they've heard mention or they heard someone talk about it no one ever talks about the eternals you know the Celestials? I mean, we heard about the Celestials and Guardians of the Galaxy, but, you know, we don't know anything about that. Like I mentioned, I didn't know anything about it because it was just a part of the Marvel Universe that I didn't really pay attention to. Um, so that's why I feel like as we move forward into Phase 4, but more so within Phase 5 and 6... Marvel is entrusting the audience to stick with them. Let us tell the story. We'll explain everything as we go along. But stick with it. Pay attention. Learn these characters. Because everyone's going to play a role moving forward. And before you know it, they're going to be just as huge as the Avengers were. 
just as huge as Guardians of the Galaxy. You know, that's my opinion. Again, that's just my opinion. But what's more important is what your opinion is. So definitely let me know what you think about the movie um, in the comments if you've seen it already. If you have not, are you still planning to watch this movie? Are you somewhat interested? Did everything I say maybe change your mind? Um, I want to know if you don't agree with anything I've said. If you've seen the movie. If you are one of those people that don't like the movie at all for whatever reason, I would love to know why. You know, and I'm not going to say you're wrong. Everyone is, that's the brilliance of movies, right? It's very subjective. And I want to know what was it that threw you off, you know, and have let's have a discussion about it. Because uh, for me, it was just a very, very well done movie. Um, let me just, before we move on, I just want to make sure I mention everything here in my notes again it's like i said there's a lot to talk about but it looks like yeah i pretty much covered everything that i really really wanted to mention here um again i can't speak enough about chloe Zhao and how watching this movie you really felt like she was given her own full reign on directing this movie it's for someone like her who is more of like an independent director indie director She's only had two other movies under her belt, The Rider and Nomadland. Now, Nomadland obviously put her on the map last year. You know, and with the Oscars and all that, she got all, you know, recognition and all that. But the fact that Marvel casted her to direct this movie even before all that happened, they saw something in her immediately. And I think it paid off. I think it really, really paid off. You know, the fact that she was able to do an epic movie like this with a storyline that's very complicated, with a huge cast of characters, and for someone like me, made it fully sing perfectly, get the interest, invest in it all, want to see more, then she did a great job, in my opinion, you know, and, you know, I felt attached. I felt attached to a lot of the characters in this movie, and I really, really want to see more. I really want to see where a lot of these storylines go. I want to see if they do end up doing that Disney Plus series, the prequel series, I do want to learn more within that series, because I think there is a lot to learn more, you know, for sure. So, yeah, yeah, so that's, okay, so that's my spoiler-free review. So right now we're going to be heading into more spoiler discussions as I recap some of the things within the movie here. Um, So if you have not seen this movie and you want to save yourself from all the spoiler talk, then the next two chapters are definitely not going to be for you. Uh, By all means, bookmark this video, come back to it after you watch the movie, because in the end, I'd still want to hear your thoughts and comments about your your feelings about the movie and everything that I have discussed here. So uh, you have been forewarned, and let us move into more spoiler discussion here. So when I mentioned before about the inner struggle within the group and, and all that, um, a lot of that had to do with their quote-unquote managing and policing of 
the human the the human race on earth now the one thing i really love that they did in this movie is that you know they showed you when the eternals arrived on earth and every main event within humanity they were there to witness now their whole duty was never to interfere but to assist in the progression of the human race right um they showed up in mesopotamia yeah i hope i'm saying that right bear with me for a bit but pretty much the dawn of man right and the reason why they were brought to earth too is because there are these villains these creatures called the deviants the deviants are attracted to intelligence and advanced forms of uh, races they kind of feed off of them right so the eternals are there to stop them before they wipe out that race on the planet and in turn assist the the inhabitants of the world of the planet to progress but at the same time not to interfere with any conflict or strife they may have within themselves and because of that they live through many different um, aspects of history where there was a next step of that evolution right the Babylonian Empire the Gupta Empire you know, they were able to continuously watch this human race progress and evolve, right? Because that's what they were told to do. And during this whole process, each individual member of the Eternals team grew some sort of attachment, whether it was positive or negative, to the to humankind. Mostly positive. But maybe because of a form of jealousy or what have you, there was also some negative aspects of it. But that's what makes it really unique. Because at the end of the day, they are tasked to do a certain job because their celestial boss, um, whose name is... Um, I'm always really bad with names, um, but... I, I, I want to make sure that I, I'm talking about it um, specifically here. Um, Am, Amnarath? Wait, hold on. Sorry. Just give me one second here. Bear with me. Um, uh, I'm trying. You know, it's funny. In the past, um, I would make edits to the, to the podcast, but I really, really want to stick to more like live to video where there isn't any editing involved you know it's kind of more like a free form discussion and all that um so that we um you know it just feels more natural and more real um uh so arisham thank you thank you google for for letting me know arisham the judge so arisham there is their celestial that they report to, right? And no, I'm not talking to you, Google phone. Um, he tasked them to go to this planet and to make sure that, uh, one, the deviants are taken care of, 
um, because they never know how many of the deviants are on the planet. And they show up all in different times, right? So that's why they have to keep monitoring and, and um, policing the human race uh, or any race of any planet because that's another great thing about this. We learn that the Eternals is a group of many and there are Eternals all throughout the galaxy doing the same thing to the planet that they're attached to, right? And they're all doing this because that's their job. That's what they're, you know, being told to do. Um, but when we focus on this team right here, we see them... The struggle ultimately culminates during the Spaniard conquistadors um, when they attacked the Aztecs uh, in the fall, uh, during the fall of... Now, here's a very hard name to pronounce right here. Tonochtitlan. Tonochtitlan. Yeah. So basically, it's like when the conquistadors come and take over the Aztec um, race, right? And you see them during this, this giant war that this is the first time that the Eternals team has faced conflict within each other. Because it's mentioned multiple times that because of what they've seen the race do and how they've evolved, they've grew fond attachment to everybody. And they have the power and strength to stop all of this conflict from happening and let everyone just live a life of love and peace. And they are going to help them show them how to do this. But the main purpose why they cannot do that is because these conflicts even though they are horrible to witness and could be uh, one of the downsides of these events of the human race as the years go on, they learn from it and they eventually evolve from that to become smarter and stronger moving forward, right? It's evolution, right? But certain members don't feel that way anymore. And they're already living their lives like thousands of years of seeing this happen over and over and over again. And it's taking a toll on their minds. So it is very interesting to see that struggle because you, you, we never really get to see that. You know, we never get to see how how the events of our planet, our race affects these types of individuals who are these, you know, extraterrestrial beings and how they want to help us. They want to put an end to it. They don't agree now with their, their duties. They don't believe that they, they should let these things happen. So Druig, who has the power to mind control, decided to take it upon himself to be like, nope, it stops here. I can't deal with this anymore. So at least in that portion of what's happening there and in their universe, he takes over. And that's what finally breaks the, the team up. And they all decide to go out their own ways and live their own lives because um, Selma Hayek's character, um, who is Ajak, like I said, is the mom of the group. She says, you all have the right to live your life and 
live a life that's fulfilling and learn something about yourself that you love. And when we all meet up again in the future, I want to hear what it is that you've learned, what it is that you clung to, what is it that you were able to accomplish for yourself. And it goes right back to what I said. It goes back to like the, the humanity, the, the purpose of, of a being, it, which is something, again, you don't really see in these movies, really. So it's interesting to see how every individual decides to live their life, right? You have Fina, who unfortunately got struck with something they call a uh, mud mine or something like that, where because of all the years that she's lived her memories are now attacking her and she's losing her mind and she doesn't know what's real anymore but that turns out to be something different that was revealed later on that I'll get back to you know but because Gilgamesh has this love for her from what we see it's more like a platonic love like someone I really admire and care about and I don't want to see anything bad happen to her they have a choice to wipe her memory completely clean and she will no longer have all those memories and essentially be a different person or you know risk the fear of her turning again and maybe possibly attacking everybody because that's what she was doing she didn't know what was really anymore and she just wanted to fight everybody so Gilgamesh is like, nope, you know what? I'll take I'll take care of her. And I'm going to dedicate the rest of my time here on Earth looking over her. Brilliant, right? So you have that happening. You know, you have uh, Gemma Chan, who looks like she wanted to be more of like a, a, a scholar, a teacher. You know, uh, she wanted, we see her later on in London, you know, being uh, like a professor, you know, like someone who's like a curator. And uh, Sprite kind of is just like a tag-along. Because Sprite is unfortunately stuck being a little girl. But yet she's lived a life of an adult. Because again, we're talking about 7,000 years here. And her conflict is, it's not fair. Why did they make me this way? You know, why was I made to forever be this child I cannot experience the things adults can experience I cannot experience how it is to fall in love with somebody because I'm constantly stuck at what looks like 12 years old right so again you have that struggle that you know learning to accept who they are or maybe not being able to right so that adds another thing in there you know you have uh, Icarus who who for lack of a better way of explaining it, he is the Superman. He is the Boy Scout of the group, right? And, you know, obviously we see it transpiring in the trailer. You know, he falls in love with, you know, Cersei. Uh, and they they live thousands of years together, but then they eventually break up because he has to go off and do something on his own. Later on, we find out it's because he knows exactly what's going to happen because him and Ajax talked about it and he's preparing himself for what is to ultimately come at the end which I'll discuss later you know you have Kingo 
you know, the Kumal Nanjani character, who because he does look Pakistani, Middle Eastern, and he has a fondness of storytelling, he goes off and becomes an actor in Bollywood. And I love how they explain, you know, how did you go all these years being an actor that never ages? And he's like, I don't know what you're talking about. And he has all these movie posters of like different eras. Like, this is my great-great-grandfather. This is my great-grandfather. So it's a family of actors who just happens to kind of look similar. Which, I again, was very brilliant. Extremely brilliant. Um, and then, like I said, he has a valet, Karun, who is kind of like his, as they mentioned in the movie, Alfred to his Batman. Which is interesting, too. This movie, they had two DC references. Um, Superman, they reference. Clark Kent. And Batman and Alfred. So in the Marvel Universe, these two characters are fictional. Which is interesting. But they have a great relationship there. Um, Fastos. Fastos' story is the one that hit me the hardest. Because he is definitely one who has the love of humanity. He dedicated his life to wanting to teach and advance them in technology because again he is a techno guy you know he can create blueprints and uh, techno technology um, with his hands and he can lay out you know schematics and all that stuff a la like how Tony Stark does it with um, Jarvis and all that stuff but he's doing this just that's his power we see him um after the events of Hiroshima. And he is just beside himself. He's full on in tears and everything like that. And it was heartbreaking. And he says, like, I did this because of my teachings of technology and knowledge to these people. Look what they did. And at that moment, he forever lost hope in humanity and he gave up caring for them you know and that's very heartwarming and very touching and very sad so he gives up what he was planning to do finds himself in suburban America raises a kid with his husband now you know away from it all until you know they have to regroup and all that stuff like that so it, it's very, very interesting to see how each individual spawns off to do their own thing and they eventually have to come together because there's this big event that's happening, the, the emergence. Because now the celestial azimuth is not telling them. Um, Irishim, sorry. Irishim is telling him that it's about time. Things are going to happen. And what turns out is that they weren't really there to advanced humans just for the sake of the race and for the sake of um, letting the human race evolve. Each time the race of a planet gets smarter and more intelligent, the more energy it produces, the more the population grows. That serves as food for a future celestial that was implanted in that planet. What? I didn't see that coming. 
So basically, before they were sent to earth, they planted a seed in the core. And they were basically babysitting it and feeding it by advancing the race and the, growing the population so that eventually it will have enough strength and grow so that like an egg can burst out and here we have a new celestial and what the celestials do is that they help create new planets new galaxies so there's that conflict you risk a population of you know millions and billions of people on this planet for one celestial but for that celestial to create new worlds right and you get to see them struggle with this conflict should we let that happen should we not you know and I think it was just so brilliant the way it was just done you know very very and again this is why this story is so so dense there's so much happening here um, and it's because of this that I think one of the more brilliant things about this movie and I didn't want to talk about this during the non-spoiler because I had you needed to me to explain a lot of this stuff and flesh it all out so first the Eternals we find out are created by the Celestials the Celestials also created the Deviants because they needed to give the Eternals something to do to help grow the population right so they needed that conflict they needed that that task right they needed a reason to want to help the population of the world and to grow that that passion the compassion that empathy the the love and all that to nurture them so that they can evolve so they had to create that conflict but of course little did they know that the Eternals will eventually have their own mind and will think on their own and they too can evolve so the grand design is flawed they admit it when they created the deviants because now we're seeing the deviants also evolve the deviants learned how to adapt they learned how to absorb power from the eternals and we see that when they kill ajax for the first time you know again i'm in spoiler territory so if i'm ruining something here you know you sh that's on you but they were able to absorb her healing power and the more they absorb the more they feed off of an internal the more they morph and change to be more uh human-like or more like a being and not just this ragged wretched creature like a dog right so the celestials created these things with flaws not knowing what the side effects would be and this team is now dealt with the knowledge of what's going to happen where they really came from because they were there's no planet olympia as they were told 
they were bred in like for lack of a better term a factory they're all like robots and every time the planet gives birth to celestial those same groups of people gets their mind white and they get repurposed to another place to do it all over again and that is why Thena was having her issues because there's a breakdown during the mind wipe process probably that didn't fully complete the full wipe so now she's recollecting all the times that she's done this over and over again and it's driving her mad brilliant brilliant but this is the very first time in a Marvel movie that there is no clear-cut main villain here the main conflict is the conflict within itself do we follow what we're told or do we save the 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 race the human race on this planet their celestial god is not a bad person because there is good there right he and the other celestials are creating the universe so there's no right or wrong here right it's just this is it's just how it is you know but is that right or wrong the deviants are just a product of that ploy to get them to you know grow the population and all that stuff like that so they're not really considered to be the baddies here and then as as these events are transpiring you have the conflict within the team as to do we follow what we're told or do we go forward with our compassion and our love for these humans and save them because there's so much good here so because of that you have Icarus who turns on the team and then you have Sprite who joins Icarus because she we find out that she's in love with him again her own struggle right and Icarus being the Boy Scout is just trying to do what he's been ordered to do. He doesn't want to fight the team or kill off anybody. But because, like a soldier, it's his duty to complete the mission. But later on at the end, he too has that conflict as to what am I doing? Why? Because his love for Cersei. He cannot do anything bad towards her because he has a deep love for her. So he caves, but not without putting up a fight. And I'm telling you, that third act, the, the, the battle all throughout was amazing. You thought Quicksilver and The Flash were dope in um, the X-Men movies and in Justice League? Whew, Makari badass she's one bad mofo and that's how you do a speedster probably the best speedster we saw on the, on the big screen plus her and Druig also have kind of like this sexual tension going on there which I find I found very very adorable and very cute you know um, but yeah, it's 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 so interesting just how these stories came about and how everything kind of unraveled there, right? 
And that's why I said a lot of the main plot points here have to deal with love, humanity, emotion, right? The, the conflict that we, we encounter because of those things. Um, you know, Fastos gave up on humanity. And at the end, he, he got that sense again. And I was just like, no, there is good here. I gave up on them for a long time, but in the heart of it, I am now part of it. I have a husband. I have a child, you know, and because they are robotic, so to speak, they don't see themselves as a black man, a Pakistani guy, you know, an Asian girl, a deaf girl. They just see themselves as eternals. So for them, none of that matters and they just carry their lives what they feel fit right and I think that's another part of the brilliance of this movie it's like building it's like the 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 way of thinking of the perfect utopia right that it's going to be very hard for us to even get close to but this is what we're trying to teach everyone right love people for who they are not for what they are whether it's race, gender, you know, lifestyle, what have you. That's how they carried it on. And that's how they just fell in love with these people, with the human race. You know, and I just loved how we saw that journey. The use of history was very well done. You know, um, and we get to see, we get to feel what they were feeling as they're going through each historical moment throughout you know, the human race. Um, we get to see how each of them individually starts to get attachment to what they're used to or what they are, who are who they were tasked to care for and how it plays out at the end. You know, and then we learn the flaws of people, of who, of what they are. Everyone has a flaw. Maybe they love too much. Maybe they don't love enough. You know, Maybe they're too selfish in their in what they want for themselves. That's hard for them to to even care or to decide what's right or wrong, right? So, you know, it's it's just very very well thought out, and I really 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 love how this movie portrayed a lot of that stuff. Now, are there some holes? Yeah, well, a little bit. Like they could have explained a lot more. But at the end, I felt completely satisfied. Completely satisfied. You know, with how everything turned out. You know. So, so yeah. And with all that being said, at the end, um, they put a stop to the birth. But now you have this weird celestial head and, and hand that's sticking out of the earth looking like um, uh, icebergs, right? And of course, everyone's wondering like, where the hell did this thing come from? But at the end, another thing that they did was that now they have the team split up again. You have some members of the Eternals who decide to go off and try to locate the other groups of Eternals to explain to them 
what they did and how you don't have to be so attached to what your duty is. If you have the compassion for the planet and you have a compassion for the for the race that's inhabiting it, then you have every right to fight for that. Now, I don't know how that's going to affect the other celestials and the creation of the galaxies and all that stuff, but for them, this is what they feel like their duty is now, so they go off. And then you have some of the other people who are left behind. Cersei grants the power to Sprite to finally become more of an, a human, so now she could actually grow up, get old, you know, but now she'll be able to experience everything that she's been dying to experience in the last 7,000 years. You know, so that's an interesting turn for that character. But you have Arisham who makes himself known. So you see the heavens open up and boom, he shows up, pulls the Eternals out, the remaining Eternals on, on Earth out, acknowledges that they stopped the birth of the Celestial. He's now going to read all of their minds and witness everything that they've lived through to see if it was worthy for them to do so. And if not, a judgment will be made. And then goes off into the ether. So that included Cersei. Uh, that included um, uh, Sprite, Kingo. The people who were left on, on the planet. But yet, yet the entire world witnessing this giant thing show out of nowhere that's why i cannot wait this is their test for galactus i'm telling you this is a test for galactus to show up this thing opens the door for future phases that we're nowhere near yet fantastic four silver surfer and it's all because of what's going to be what was then later on that was later on revealed in the post credit scenes which now i'm going to get into all right so that's the spoiler discussion there let me know your thoughts again in the comments be mindful also that if you're going to leave comments in this video um for that involves spoilers there are going to be people probably watching who have not at all um seen the movie yet so be mindful of that if you want to have a discussion like with me about it Maybe you could just find me on Twitter. Um, all my social media links are in the description of this video. And then maybe you could DM me directly and we could talk about it and all that. Just, just be mindful of that. You know, we want to be fair to everyone. All right. So let's talk post-credit scenes. This post-credits, there are two of them. And these were big. These were massive. And the reason why they were massive is because we have four character reveals here. Four character reveals. Very unexpected. Very unexpected. But this these character reveals have huge implications on future phases of the of the marvel universe and again i really strongly feel like none of this is going to be fully in play for phase four 100 we're just going to see the after effects of more of this in phase five and six four character and we are now officially in the realm of character reveals and character introductions that like I said before, not everyone's going to be like 100% familiar with. Me as well. Because when these characters were revealed, immediately I started Googling. I'm like, who's this? Who's that? I don't remember this. And it remind, reminded me of when I was growing up. 
one of my favorite things growing up that you know when I started comic uh, collecting comic books is that they came out with this series called um, the official handbook of the Marvel Universe it spanned multiple issues but this was like the Marvel Universe encyclopedia you had all the characters their bios their traits their affiliations you know all that stuff all the different variations of maybe their costumes and it was it was probably one of the best things i've ever purchased growing up because that's that's how i became more familiar with a lot of characters even if i never read their comic book runs but at least i could tell you like oh who this guy is and all that when some of these character reveals happen boom it immediately triggered in my mind I remember reading about this guy, but I don't know who this guy is, or like really. So, I highly recommend if you're ever interested to find. I believe there's like an omnibus out there, or a graphic novel collection of all of these Marvel Universe um, issues, because it it's a great read, especially if you are really into learning a lot of the backstories of a lot of individual characters and what have you. It, it's it's essential reading especially if you want to do that stuff so first reveal we catch up with the team um who is traveling in in into space and looking for the other eternals internal teams and they're wondering how come we haven't heard from anyone back on earth it's been weeks and all that you know something's wrong we should probably go back i believe it's makari druig uh, and thena i think they are the ones left there, if I remember correctly. Then all of a sudden, a portal opens up. Here rolling in is Pip the Troll. And I'm sure everyone was just like, and I heard it audibly in the in the theater. Everyone's like, huh? But the voice was very familiar because he's voiced by Patton Oswalt. So Pip the Troll is a very interesting character. Uh, his his superpower is teleportation and time travel. His affiliations is where it gets really interesting. He is usually heavily connected with Silver Surfer and Adam Warlock. He's appeared in a lot of, you know, the, uh, their comic book runs and what have you. Um, and he just finds himself in a lot of cosmic events, uh, especially things that involve like. You know Thanos and all that stuff like that, and I'm not going to go into full backstory here, but I'm just telling you affiliations and people he's interacted with. So that was number one. But then he introduces somebody else, and you have this guy with the swagger walking in and all that. Then you have a change in the music too, and the music immediately puts you into Guardians of the Galaxy mode because it sounds like we're listening to one of of Quill's mixtapes. And it's the brother of Thanos himself, Eros, a.k.a. Star Fox, played by Harry Styles. Now, I was lucky enough to get not to get spoiled about this on Twitter, because if this was the reveal that happened, that um, an individual or two individuals went online and spoiled it for everyone when they did their world premiere red carpet. But I was able to avoid all that stuff. So I was like, whoa! They got Harry Styles in the MCU now? And he's playing Star Fox? 
So if you don't know who Star Fox is, uh, his power is that he has the ability to control emotions. Um, and in the comics, he eventually does join the Avengers um, and uh, this group called the Dark Guardians. But his affiliation, obviously, is he is the brother of Thanos. I believe they share the same father. But he also has a lot of ties within, you know, the Adam Warlocks, the Marvels. You know, again, more cosmic stuff. Annihilus. You know, he has stuff going on with Nebula. So we are just now teased with what we're going to be probably seeing in the next Guardians of the Galaxy movie. And because of that cosmic tie, this could also eventually lead into Galactus slash Silver Surfer slash Fantastic Four territory as well. So we might get another Infinity Saga on our hands. That made me excited. I was like, what? I was like, that, that is just amazing. And again, we're in this realm where none of us are familiar with this stuff. And we're getting into like really complex plot points and storylines here. And we're going to be involving a lot of new people. So just the, the, the excitement of these reveals is fantastic and like I said they put you in that mood they had the music change and like I said it's like one of those things that you would hear on um, Peter Quill's uh, mixtape and he's there he shows up and he's like I got some stories to tell you guys and I got some things to share fade out so we do know that this is going to be something moving forward. And I do feel like this is going to play heavily into Guardians of the Galaxy. Now, post credit scene two. We get we get caught up with uh, Kit Harrington's character. Who we know as Dane. But it was revealed that his full name is Dane Whitman. That should already trigger something. If you are familiar with the comics, it should already trigger something for you. He was trying to reveal to Cersei before she gets sucked into the universe um, by the Celestial there uh, at the end of the movie. He was trying to explain that my history, my family history is kind of dark. And I don't want to lie because I, I love you too. Again, love. Love is all you need. And we see him in this office with a box and he opens it up and it's a blade and it's the ebony blade. Now, in the movie, again, if you're paying attention, the ebony blade was mentioned in the movie already. Athena was playing with a sword, and Sprite is like, what is that, the ebony blade? And they're like, no, it's Excalibur. Because Makari is like a collector. She loves collecting things. So she happened to collect the real Excalibur sword. Because, again, through history, right? So it's the ebony blade. He mouths off the magic words, and he's about to touch it, and then we hear a voice. And it's like, are you sure you're ready for that, Mr. Whitman? Or something like that. The voice itself is Maharsha Ali. So that's Blade. So that was already our first unofficial Blade appearance in the Marvel Universe. Whew! Now, I didn't catch that the first time. 
I couldn't figure out who that voice was. Then I heard and I read online that it was Maharshala. Then when I watched it the second time, I, I recognized it. I was like, oh yeah, that is him. Wow. But Dane Whitman and Ebony Blade. So Dane Whitman eventually becomes the Black Knight in the Marvel comics. And the Ebony Blade is a blade that was forged by Merlin back in the old days uh, from a meteorite. So the Black Knight is kind of one of those like traveling characters, so to speak, a journeyman of sorts. You know, he shows up in different comic books and different teams, but he does heavily appear in Avengers comic books. So he does eventually become an Avenger as well or associate with the Avengers. He's also very well associated with the Defenders and also very associated with Heroes for Hire. So that's where the Blade connection comes in. Blade, him and Blade, they have a lot of connections throughout the comic books. He also has ties with Fantastic Four and Baron Zemo. <gasps> Baron Zemo. We know he's still around, right? And it was confirmed this past week that the timeline of the Eternals is the same timeline as what we've seen in Captain America and the Winter Soldier. <gasps> so, this could eventually tie into the next Captain America movie. Or the Blade movie. Or something. Or this could just be a running connection through the movies moving forward. Right? And that is extremely exciting. Now, the Black Knight has no real special powers, but of course he has a sword. So, because of that sword, that's pretty much where he gets the majority of his powers from. Um, and he's very much into science, you know, and like science artifacts and paraphernalia. So, it will be really interesting to see what kind of role he's going to play in in the Marvel Universe moving forward. But he could just be that teammate with Blade. Because, you know, Blade, we know that, especially if you read the comic books, he he, he dabbles a lot with the, the supernatural, right? It's not just vampires. It's, it's like supernatural phenomenon, all that stuff like that, research. The true character of Blade, not just like the Wesley Snipes movies that we saw. Um, so that could be the team-up moving forward right there and that in itself is very very exciting so so yeah so big big reveals there and again multiple possibilities as far as where they're going to go with a lot of these character reveals you know at the end of the credits of the movie they did have a blurb that says the Eternals will return so we know that they're gonna we're gonna be seeing them again in the future. Uh, we, we're not sure how long, but I would love to see if Chloe Zhao could come back and direct uh, another Eternals type movie, or if she wants to be involved and direct the series on Disney Plus. Because now the rumors is that she's gonna be possibly working with Kevin Feige to direct his Star Wars movie that he's working on which a Chloe Zhao 
Star Wars movie that's based off of human characterizations, emotions, and all that. Humanity. That's going to be huge. I would love to see that. But yeah, that's about it. That That is my Eternals talk for this episode. Uh, I hope you guys enjoyed it. I hope maybe you've learned something. Or again, if there's anything that you just disagree with, I'd love to hear it. You know, and there's nothing wrong with that. You know, the reason why I love talking about movies and why I love movies in general is because everyone gets something different out of them. There's no right or wrong. You know, it's just art. And we all interpret art differently. You know, and I love having constructive talks when it comes to these things you know I don't like people or I don't like it when the fandom gets a little bit too irate and a little bit too you know out there and and unfair and calling people stupid and all that there's no place for that here you know let's just have a positive constructive discussion whether it's good like you like it or not like if you like the movie great do you like it because of the way I like it or is it because of something different do you not like the movie? You know, do you not like the movie because of something I said or because of something different, right? I just love to know all that stuff. So, as always, thoughts in the comments and all that. For those of you listening in audio form, I hope this wasn't too terrible for you guys and girls. Um, if you want to comment, if you listen on Spotify or, or um, I believe... Uh, I believe Spotify, you should be able to do it. Um, you or Anchor, if you listen on Anchor, you can leave me voicemails, voice messaging. Um, you know, leave your comments uh, and I will, you know, in a future episode, if I get enough of them, I will address them. Uh, we could have a segment about them. Um, or, like I said, find me, connect with me on social media and we could have a discussion from there. So, um, before this episode run, runs any longer than it is now, let's call it for this week. Again, thank you all for joining in, uh, tuning in, and um, you know, showing your support for the Talking Talk Pod Showcast and for the Low Key Geek channel on YouTube and on your podcast platform of choice. You know, we're on the weekend now, so hopefully you had a wonderful week. As I always say, do something for yourself. Um, allow some time for you to unwind and refresh your mind. Um, read a book that you've been wanting to read or a favorite book of yours. Play one of your favorite games. Watch a favorite movie. If The Eternals is one of your favorite movies, try to see if you could watch it again. You know, it's always very important to be mindful of your mental health. It's very important this, these days. So make sure you always put that in front of you and put it as a priority. And as always, stay cool, stay classy, stay safe. Don't forget to show your support and love. Hit that like and subscribe if you haven't done so already. And I will catch all of you guys and girls next week. All right, y'all. Peace.